Thanks for joining this afternoon here. I think um, I love talking about this subject. It's more fun maybe than talking about the rapture. So uh, glad you guys chose to come here and, and chose not to miss this either. Uh, anyways, I'm going to pray and we'll jump in here. I'm going to be uh, teaching with my hat on because it's, it's been one of those sort of hair days, you know. So uh, anyways, let's just pray and we'll ask God to bless our time. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. God, thank you for this topic of relationships. God, we ask that you would speak to each one of us if we have thoughts that are not in line with yours, things you want us to change, things you want us to trust you for. Just ask that you would have your way in our hearts this afternoon. Um, God, I thank you that you have good for us, that you know what is best for us. And, and we just ask you to help us to trust you and that we would get different results in relationships, especially in marriages than the rest of this world is getting. And, and uh, we just need your grace for that. We need your wisdom. We pray you give that to us here this afternoon. Speak through me. Fill me with your spirit um, to speak your words with great boldness to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's see here. So uh, I'm going to start. I think I've got a picture here. I think you guys, it, this, this seminar has before. I've, I've done it at Faith Walker conferences. How many of you have ever been to a Faith Walkers before? Um, I've done this a few different times, and usually when I do it in Faith Walkers, I call it the road less traveled, and I'm going to explain why. But um, since this uh, conference was about eternity and end times, I thought I, I bounced a few ideas past Josh on the title here. One of them was like uh, dating in the end times. Uh, he vetoed that one. Another one was, uh, you know, this idea of finding your soulmate's before your first date is what we're calling it officially. I gave him some options. He picked that one. Another one was uh, how to find your spouse without leaving the house. And uh, he, he vetoed that one as well. Uh, apocalyptic dating was another one. But anyways, uh, you know, the, the road less traveled is, is really a theme that I like to share here. And um, this subject is near and dear to my heart because I, I've got experience with, with two ways of going about relationships. I went throughout high school and college doing relationships a way that was broken, a way that led to broken hearts, that led to sin, it led to uh, relational luggage. And then when I got saved, God taught me a new way of relationships, a, a different road, if you will. And so um, I'm going to read this, uh, this poem here from uh, Robert Frost that I think captures what I, I'm trying to hit on here. I think in the process of going down this road less traveled, there is a way that you can find your soulmate before you ever go on your first date. So that, that's in here as well. Again, money-back guarantee if this doesn't work for you. So um, anyways, here's, here's Robert Frost's poem here. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down as far as one could where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a yellow, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Again, guys, I, I've been a part of uh, seeing both sides of this equation, and, and the fruit of doing things the world's way right now, you know, the statistics would generally say with marriages, about 50% of all existing marriages right now will end in divorce. Um, with Christian marriages, the, the numbers, they vary, but it's anywhere from 33% to 50% of even Christian marriages end in divorce. Right now, our culture that we live in is full of sexual sin in relationships and disposable relationships. They last for a little while, and then they, they fall apart. We live in a world of heartbreak. Hearts are getting broken all the time. Sometimes a broken heart in your age group there are more suicides uh, in this day and age than it's, uh, it's the second leading of cause of death in, in people in your age group. And I, I've personally experienced a broken heart, and there's nothing that's quite like it, the pain that it can cause, uh, 
the, the way it can affect your other relationships. And so I just want to share with you what, what I would see as four, four secrets to this road less traveled, maybe even four secrets to finding your soulmate before your first date. And the reason I say they're secrets, it's not because they're from some strange place in the Bible. These are not in the Bible. They're actually in the Apocrypha, and they're secret, and they're hidden. That's not the case at all. I think they're secrets because these verses can be so familiar that they're either overlooked or they're underestimated. And if you walk in some of these principles and some of these truths, you're, you know, on one hand, people might say, oh, wow, you do that? Wow, that's so old-fashioned. That's so irrelevant. I can't believe you would do that with a relationship. On the other hand, if you walk in some of these principles, there's people who will say, you're a part of a cult. You do that? You're, that's cult-like behavior. Nobody does that. And it's this strange, this strange paradox that either you're, you're old-fashioned or you're cult-like, but you just, if you walk in these, people might think you're strange. And yet, the fruit that I've seen from these principles I'm going to share with you, many of your parents, many of your pastors, many of your leaders in different forms and fashions have walked in these very same principles because they're in the Bible. And, and I've walked in them. And again, I've tried different ways. And, and when I walked down this road, God blessed me with the love of my life. And the, I, I think of all that I experienced before marrying Morgan, which she's at the back of the room. This is this is the soulmate God gave me here. Um, sometimes I think of the Rascal Flat song. Some of you might know it, that God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. And, uh, you know, I, I had a real broken road, and I'm going to share um, some of my journey with you here. But the first thing I want to share with you is this, uh, this principle here. It's, um, oh, there she is. Every now and then I catch her and try to give her a kiss. So uh, I caught her there. They took a picture. Um, there's the, you have this in your hand out here, but the first, oh, you know, here's a couple of verses before we get to our first point. I just want to share, especially, um, you know, Jesus said that, that he came, the devil, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, and I've come that they may have a full life, that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of the things I want to share with you are God has some plans for you in relationships in this broken world that can be more full than you have ever imagined. It's easy to think, the devil would like you to think that if you do things the, world, the world's ways, it's going to be more exciting, it's going to be more romantic, it's going to be more passionate. And again, like I say, I've tried things down both roads, and the devil's road is short-lived. There's heartbreak, there's guilt, there's shame, there's things you wish never happened. And, and the road of following Christ and his principles here on relationships can give you life and life to the fullest. And so... Um, the other thing here, sometimes people will say, oh, yeah, I went to Rich's seminar and he gave me a bunch of rules I have to live by. And that's not my heart here at all. I think more of uh, the Apostle Paul when he was talking here in Corinthians. Um, and, and he says this, I say this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Some of the things we're talking about here, I think the road less traveled sometimes is for people who are single, whether it's teenagers, college-age people, the, the road less traveled is someone who has an undivided devotion to the Lord. What can often distract them is people can be boy crazy, girl crazy, and they can just always be thinking, who am I going to marry, and are, are they watching me, and are, do I have their attention, and they can often go about that, maybe even get married and live a life that is completely distracted and completely unfruitful for Christ. That's not the road less traveled. That's pretty darn common. That's common in Christian circles. What I want to share with you will lead to a life that's, that's uncommon, that will have great fruit, and yet it will also prepare you for a foundation of a marriage that will stand the test of time here. And so, uh, again, it's, it's for your benefit, not for your restraint here, so that you can live an undivided devotion to the Lord in this phase of life that you're in here. Um, one of the, um, let's see here. I got all the slides. I get, uh, you'll get to see all of it at once here. But the first secret I want to give you is simply this. You can write it in your blanks here, but it's guard your heart. Guard your heart. There's a couple verses that, um, you know, this is not just uh, I pick some random principles and, you know, self-help books or something. This is from the scriptures here. I love this. Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, above all else, above all else, this is pretty important, guard your heart. For it's the wellspring of life. Life is going to flow through your heart. Um, 
I love how it's put there. Whoops, there you go. Sorry. Um, you know, why guard your heart? It affects every part of your life. I love this verse here in the Living Bible. It just says, above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else you do. Your heart is your control center of your life. If your heart gets busted up, your life gets busted up. If things go wrong in your heart, things go wrong in everything else. And God knows that. He designed you that way. And he says, hey, I want you to guard your heart because it's going to affect everything. And, and there's different ways we guard our hearts. You know, I think of, when you think of what a guard does, there's two things I, I think of that a guard does. On one hand, a guard can keep things out. You know, I think about some of you there at Fort Bliss or something like that, and they have guard stations and things like that. And they're designed to keep people out that don't belong there. You know, I think in war zones and stuff, you have things guarding your base so that someone doesn't drive, a, you know, with their suicide vest into your camp and destroy things. A guard will keep things out. And there's things that God wants you to keep out of your life. Some of you might have gone to Josh Whitney's seminar here on purity, and there's things that um, want into your life, that the devil wants to bring into your life that will destroy your life. Things related to uh, sexual immorality, sexual sin, pornography. There's things that, that you need to keep from getting into your heart. And it's much easier in some cases to keep them from getting in your heart than to get them out afterwards. But I'll tell you at the same time, I expose myself and my heart to a lot of things before coming to, becoming a Christian. And, and God is able still to make you a new creation. He's able to give you a pure heart once again, even if you've been a part of things, been exposed to things that should have never happened. God can change that too. But he, he wants you to guard your heart. That's what we're instructed to do. The other thing is uh, keep things out. The other thing is you've got to keep some things in. When it comes to this romantic life, to affections, you've got to keep them in sometimes. What wants to happen, what happens naturally sometimes is if we like someone, we notice someone, we just let our affections spill out and we want to pursue something romantically. But uh, the scriptures would say guard your heart. Guard things from getting out before it's time. The Song of Songs says many times there's instruction, in this case, especially to young women, that says, don't awaken love before it's time. Don't awaken it. Don't let it spill out until it's time. Guard your heart. Keep it in. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I think of this verse here in Jeremiah, you know, it says this, um, the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, I, I like to tell the story sometimes. I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I was in ministry before that for three or four years, um, coaching people and, and singles, especially college age, working singles. And if I had a dollar for every time a guy would approach me and say, oh, I've been praying about this girl. I really like her. I think she's the one. And then like a couple weeks later, like, oh, yeah, I don't like her anymore. Uh, I've been praying about this girl. I really think she's the one. And if I had a dollar for every time a guy changed his mind, I would be rich. I am rich. I would, I would have a lot more dollars if that was the case. Our hearts can be so fickle. A lot of times, all you got to do is spend a little time on the side with someone, and, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, I wonder if it's that person. And then, you know, maybe you do something else or go on a trip, a mission trip, or the next thing, oh, maybe it's that person. And our hearts can be so fickle, and that's why we got to guard guard them before we let our affections out because sometimes it's going to change as as the wind blows it might change the other way and we got to make sure it's god's timing to open up our hearts and um and so sometimes i think of it like uh, like playing cards um any of you ever played cards before any of you good at playing cards yeah all right how many of you like poker what is one of the things you're supposed to do to be good at poker have a poker face. Now, what does a poker face do? A poker face kind of smiles and giggles and like, oh, I got this card. Ah. No, it doesn't do that. A poker face is stoic, and you're stone cold. And like, I got a full house, and you'll never know. And I'm going to crush you, and I'm going to raise the stakes. And, you know, to be good at playing cards, you got to guard your heart. Uh, uh, to be good at playing cards, you got to guard them. Sometimes if people know what your cards are, what do they do? Well, they try to prevent you from winning. You know, I think of we've been playing phase 10 as a family here recently. And sometimes if someone knows you're in phase seven and that means you got to get seven cards of one color and they see you snatch the green card from the pile, what do they do? They make sure you never get any more green cards because they know what's, what your hands are. And, you know, it works that way amazingly in relationships, too. Sometimes when people know what your cards are, you're kind of like, I just want to show you what I'm feeling, thinking here. And, and sometimes people go, yeah, you know, that's, I'm going to walk away slowly here, thanks, uh, but no thanks. Um, and, 
But we think that if we share our affections, it's going to work. And what I've seen time and time again, sometimes, sometimes people will be like, oh, now that I know what your cards are, I'll keep that in mind, but I want to find out what someone else, they're guarding their cards. I kind of want to know what they're thinking. They already know they got you in their pockets, but um, th- there's kind of a curiosity about someone else. And, and again, I've seen time and time again, I had a good friend of mine who's, um, boy, he's, he's, he's not applied this verse at all, and he likes someone and just... Sh- spills the beans, buys roses, kind of puts his heart out there and sends girls running. He's uh, 40 plus years old, been trying that technique for a while and it hasn't worked. And, and I think one of the reasons why you want to guard your heart is because God says to him, when you do what God says, guess what he does? He blesses you when you obey him. If you've got another way that's not guarding your heart, I would say good luck. Or as Brian Regan says, take luck. You know, um, Good luck on that, guys, but God will bless it if you guard your heart. And, and so for me, again, I was, I was terrible at this. When I, when I was in college and high school, I liked someone, you, know, you flirt with them, you try to see if they like you, and it goes down this road, next thing you know, it's a broken heart or sin or something, and, and I was terrible. But eventually, God, I got saved. God used a broken heart. I had this girl that I thought she was going to be the one I was going to marry, and I, I thought she liked me more than I liked her, and I was in control of the relationship because that's what you got to be in a good relationship, in control, right? Yeah, bad idea. Um, eventually, I found out she went to study abroad in Europe, and she sent me an email. It was like one of the first times you could send emails across the continents. And, Dear Rich, I no longer want to be romantically involved with you. And she broke up with me, and I was shocked. It rocked my world. I thought, I'm in control. I'm the one supposed to break up. But she broke up with me, and it broke my heart. It crushed me. And it sent me into this... I think they would have diagnosed me with depression back then. I was just trying to figure out, Lord, how do I, I wasn't a believer yet, how do I get rid of this pain? It's just, I, I don't know what to do. I thought it was alive for her, and we're going to get married and give it a go, and it's not her, and why am I here? What happens if, you know, I, she was in another continent, so I couldn't grovel and try to win my way back into her world. So I thought, what if I, what if I took my life to get, to get back at her? I'll show her, you don't break up with me. And I didn't think that way often. But in this case, I was like, what if? And then I thought, that's a very dumb idea. You know, I, I kind of want to live. I, I want to be around here for a little bit. And, um, but it made me think, where would I go if I died? I thought I was one of the good people. But now I've got this list of, of girls who would say, yeah, God, he, he's not one of the good guys. Please don't let him into heaven. Um, and so I started searching this out. Eventually, I got saved. I realized I was not a Christian. I had never personally put my trust in Christ. And I'd been a churchgoer forever. I had a family that was, you know, uh, Christians, but you don't get into heaven because your family is Christians. You get into heaven when you trust Christ. And he used this broken heart to lead me to his son, Jesus Christ. And God bless the broken road that led me to his son there. But eventually um, I started going to a church in, in Fort Collins there, some of you community church. And they had a small college group at the time. And so I'm like, I'm this new Christian. And I've come off this broken heart, but I start to see there's a different way of relating with people there. I remember one time I was like, okay, I'm a Christian now. I want to find a good Christian wife. Duh, why didn't I think of that before? And so I thought we're in this group, and there's some attractive, godly women in this group. So maybe I'll, I'll try out my, you know, I, I got some wisdom. I got a lot of experience in relationships, you know. It's bad experience, but I got experience. And so I started a there's this girl, she got saved about the same time as me, and she had a really cool story, and I had my story, and God was doing cool things. We started spending a lot of time together, and it was, seemed innocent enough to me, and then we would be like, okay, well, no one else is excited about their faith as we are, so we should spend some more time together, and we used to do things like uh, get up early in the morning and go to the A that overlooks Fort Collins. Any of you know the A on the hillside there? And so we'd go there, and uh, we'd break bread together, you know? We're new Christians. We're giving thanks, and and as we're breaking bread together, I remember thinking, well, let's pray together. And I thought, well, we pray together. Let's hold hands while we pray, you know. Let's just, uh, and uh, bad idea. That was not, uh, I remember eventually a good friend of mine uh, on my small group, um, he also became a pastor, but he came alongside me and said, hey, Rich, I noticed you're spending a lot of time with that girl. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, you know, we're so relatable, da-da-da. And he's like, yeah, well, it seems like she really likes you. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Um, he's like, now, are you planning on, you know, leading this to marriage? And, and I was like, marriage? What are you talking about? I had no intention of that. And he's like, well, you might just think it, about it because uh, she might have different thoughts about what you're doing here. You're leading her down this road, and if you don't follow through on this, you're going to break her heart. And for the first time in my life, I realized 
I don't want to break this girl's heart. I, I don't want to. And, and he started sharing me how there's a different way of going about relationships. And I remember having to back that up and start relating to her in a, in a different way because I didn't want to break her heart. And I, I didn't think she was the one that God had for me either. But God took me from, uh, you know, not caring about people's hearts and, and not caring about guarding my heart to, he, he took me to a different way. Eventually, I, I was just like, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to be a bachelor to the rapture, kind of like Greg Miller talked about. I think I was in the club before him. I was the president of Bachelor to the Rapture. And, and I just thought, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to share the gospel with, with guys and disciple them. And my prayer was kind of like, God, when it's time for me to get married, you know, just have the girl come up to me with a bat, knock me upside the head, not physically, but, you know, like that idea that she would get my attention and then I would know because I'm going to be in a zone here for Jesus. And, and I was. And eventually some young woman caught my attention. And I started noticing her life and her character and uh, got to interact with her and, and eventually started thinking like, oh, wow, I think, I think God's getting my attention here. I began praying about, Lord, would this be the one you'd have for me? And I tried guarding my heart and she was doing the same thing on her world. But eventually after seeking counsel and praying and uh, it seemed like it was time to, to find out, it was time to play my cards. And I was so afraid, like, you know, you play your cards, you share your heart and, and what happens, you know, they... They reject you, she, she would reject me, or, or it might go good, and she might be thinking the same thing. And so I, I, was, I wanted to play it safe. Um, I asked her to go have a talk with me, have a talk at a Perkins restaurant. Do they still have Perkins in Fort Collins, Greeley, those places? You guys heard of Perkins? Kind of like Village Inn, something like that. So I asked her to go somewhere safe. It happened to be the case that I'd been a part of sharing the gospel with a number of guys there. And a number of them had prayed to receive Christ. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this on sacred ground. I'm going to take her there. I'm going to share my heart. And it's gone good in the past. So, Lord, help me. Um, and I just remember uh, she was kind of like, well, why are you inviting me to Perkins? You know, what's going on here? We, we didn't have any sort of romantic relationship. And um, I got there, and it was very crowded that day. And back, back then, back in those days, they had the smoking room. And so that's all they had available was, like, the smoking part of Perkins. And it was like people were chain smoking in there. You could hardly see through the fog. And they set us in there. And, you know, I'm like, I think I see you there. Um, but eventually my point was I wanted to share my heart with her and ask her about beginning a relationship that would lead to marriage. And, I mean, it took me forever to change the subject. We talked about everything you possibly could. I would ask her to come up here and share, but she has sworn she will leave if I do that. So I won't do that. But anyways, uh, after a while, I finally I went to the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom just praying, Lord, help me change the subject to what I want to talk about here. And, and I've, I finally came to the idea of using this line from a movie. It's called Saving Private Ryan. Any of you seen that? At one point, he's trying to break this bad news to his buddy. You know, his brother might have died in the war. And he's, the guy's like, you know, I think it's Tom Hanks. You know, there's no easy way to say this. So I'm just going to say this. And so I started explaining this to Morgan there. You know, like, you know, there's no easy way to say this. And have you seen the movie? And she's like, yeah, you know, and then she's thinking she has a brother in the military. She's like, something happened to my brother? What's going on here? And eventually I was like, there's no easy way to say this. I've been praying about you and if, asking you to begin a relationship with me and that maybe would lead to marriage. And I'm just spilling the beans. You know, I'm playing my cards here. And I'm just waiting for her response, you know, because she's been guarding her heart. I, I don't know what she's thinking. I, I didn't know if she liked me or not. Sometimes I thought she might think of me as her, her big brother, you know, a kind, loving big brother, but not someone she'd marry. And so I just spilled the beans, and her response to me was kind of classic. She was like, uh, I'm honored, you know. And I was like, oh, no, she's honored. This is not good. Ah, uh, big brother time. That's a bummer. And eventually she's like, I'm honored. You know, I've been actually praying about you as well. And, uh, you know, I'd be glad to begin this. You need to call my dad. And I was like, all right, you know, I wanted to make sure you were thinking the same thing before I talked to your dad because he scared me. You know, and I sure enough get on the phone. And he's like, what's your intentions with my daughter? <laughs> I want to get to know her. I want to marry her. I, you know, I said, okay, let's, you know, you can go. You got permission here. But anyways, uh, that, that was a whole different world than I'd have ever experienced. And yet I'm so glad that I guarded my heart, and she guarded hers, and we obeyed God, and because I, I think it's a part of Him blessing. You know, when things get hard, sometimes people wander into relationships flippantly, and maybe they had this uh, time where they shared their heart, and someone responded, and next thing you know, they're getting married, and then things get really hard, and I promise you, they will. And I was a pastor, and we've been a pastor for 20 years. I've been married for almost 20 years, and there was times where if I had not have been a believer, and my wife had not have been a believer, we would have been divorced. 
and things get really hard. But when you look back and go, what is this relationship built on? Did we just flippantly share our hearts? No, we prayed about it. We got counsel. We walked in some of these principles. And um, you want to have that when things get hard. I've gotten a part of doing marriages and marriage counseling when people go, why are, we, why are we even married? And they go back to those moments and times, and they don't have them. And, and I don't know some, some of the reasons why they got married or different things like that, but eventually I go, you're married. I'm going to help you stick to it. But you want to make sure that you have God's blessing, God's backing, and that you guard your heart. Um, another thing I want to share with you is um, what I call the family secret. The family secret um, I think is pretty cool here. Um, again, as I got saved and I started learning this new way of relating, it, it seemed to be the idea of being brothers and sisters in Christ. Here, I love this verse here. Um, it says, uh, let's see, do not rebuke. I, I remember coming across this in my own quiet times and, and being taught this by others, but it says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers and older women as mothers and young, young uh, older men as, oh, hold on, back up here. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so I started being taught this way of relationships. It was, hey, I'm a brother, and this is my sister in Christ, and I need to, um, some of you, you know, how many of you have younger sisters in, in your family? Anyone have younger sisters? Sometimes this can easily be traded, like, you know, be translated like this. We've got to watch out for this. Um, you know, treat younger women as sisters, like punky little sisters. And we can go, oh, yeah, I know how to do that. You know, but, but it doesn't say that. What does it say? Treat younger women, and really the heart of it is treat all women that aren't like your mother's age or whatever. Treat all women as sisters with absolute purity. Not with punkiness, but with purity. God wants us to relate as brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, that's very different than the rest of the world. Some Christian circles, that's a very different way to go about it. And so we love one another as brothers and sisters with absolute purity. I remember times in our student group back in the days, we often would circle up the guys. Maybe it had to do with some of Josh's talking there on accountability, but we'd pray, God, give us purity in our lives. Help us to have purity towards our sisters and, and protect them and their hearts and their lives. Protect us all from sexual sin that's going on all around us. And we used to pray a lot for that, and, and God bless, and he wants to help us with that. Um, another thing we have to do is we, we live as brothers and sisters. We protect one another. We keep an eye out for one another. Back again, when I was doing my own thing, you know, I was the type of guy that showed up at church. And honestly, when I first started coming to church, I started going to small groups. I was on more than one small group because there were more than one single small groups with cute, godly women. And so I thought, oh, I'll go to this one there. There's options here. There's one over here. Eventually, they coached me in, like, picking one small group and not going to small groups because there were cute, godly women on them. This is back when I was single, and they were helping me along here. But... Um, Eventually, I was taught, hey, we've got we to gotta protect our family of believers. There's people out there that have bad intentions. There's sexual predators. There's people that want to come to your church or to your student group, your teen group, and, and single out someone and lead them down a path that's going to go into sexual sin, and it's going to destroy their life. And, and I realized God started giving me a heart that, um, you know, love protects. And I want to protect my sisters in Christ. And, and there were times where I became, I was... I was a working single at the time in, in our college group, and a lot of them were still in college, so I was, kind of, I was kind of like the bigger brother that watched out for others. I remember a time we, I had to have a lot of hard talks with guys that had bad intentions, and I didn't mind because I wanted to keep my sister safe. Uh, I remember a time we went on a mission trip down to Arizona State for spring break, and a lot of us were down there. A lot of college students were helping a church get started, passing out flyers, evangelizing, but there happened to be a couple of unbelievers that made it into our our, our mission trips. They wanted to join in. They liked us. I remember one time where um, our whole group was, I don't know, it was probably 15, 20 guys, 15, 20 girls, and we all stayed at the same house. It was a huge house. Someone had a relative down there that was wealthy or whatever, and so they put the guys on one side of the, the house, and the girls were off in the yard. They had a big yard with a swimming pool, and so at night, there was, the girls all camped out together. The guys were supposed to all camp out together. And I remember kind of looking over the, my brothers and sisters, the flock, and kind of trying to make sure everything was on the, on the you know, on the down, on, what do you call on the up and up. And it happened to be, I saw a situation where it was like a bunch of sleeping bags there, and it was a girl, 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 guy, girl, 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 girl. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's this guy doing sleeping in the middle of all the girls here? I mean, he was in a sleeping bag. He was 
you know, it was innocent at the time. But um, I remember that morning going, me and, me and old bro here are going to have a talk. And so I invited him to take a walk with me. And I started to say, hey, guys, we're, we're trying to follow Christ together. We're brothers and sisters here. And you seem to be like you want to single out some of the women here. And, and as a big brother, I'm not cool with that. And, and I think you need to rethink why you're hanging out with us if that's your intentions. And how do you think he responded? He got pretty mad. He was not happy. And we were miles and miles away. It's like I think he would have gone home if he had a vehicle, but he was stuck with us. And, and, but eventually he worked it out. I, think, I can't remember if he was saved or not yet. I don't think he was saved. He got saved. And then he began to take on this new way of relating too, with guarding your heart, with purity, be, treating other, others with, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you might know his name. His name's Tom Schweiger. And, uh, you know, Tom went on to be another guy that protected other women and washed out and guarded their hearts. And uh, I got to do Tom's wedding with Jenna. And now they have a bunch of kids. And, and, and yet, though, you know, there was this sense that we protected, we watched out for each other. And Tom became one of those men, too. And if you haven't had that, if that's not your heart to protect one another, women, you've got to protect men, too. You've got to be not leading them down a path. I remember a situation where we had a woman, a young woman in our church that... Um, she was almost, you know, probably not on purpose a sexual predator, but there was a time we were sending a bunch of people on a church plant, uh, a, a mission plant, and a bunch of singles wanted to be on the team, and so they'd interview the people and found out uh, this guy got disqualified to go because he'd slept with a girl, and, and he hadn't been honest about that. Another guy got disqualified because he'd slept with the same girl, and there was a number of people that this girl had been leading guys astray into sexual sin. And it's not just a guy's thing, it's a girl's thing as well. And we've got to protect one another. We've got to watch out for each other. Um, and so um, that's the point there with purity, by protecting each other. Another one we've got to watch out for is uh, not playing favorites. You know, there's a verse in James here that just talks about, um, you know, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it says, my brothers, as, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And he goes on to explain a situation about if a rich person comes into your group and you treat them better than a poor person, you're, you're teenagers, none of you are rich, right? So, but you can translate that into you go, if there's someone who to you is uh, attractive, a rich person, and you want to treat them better than other people you see as poor people in your eyes, attractiveness-wise, and you want to play favorites there, guess what? God doesn't want you playing favorites. If you read throughout the scriptures, not only does it say don't do that, um, anytime it happened in the, in the Old Testament stories where a, a family member, you know, I think of Joseph, one of 12 siblings was favored. And how did that go with the rest of his siblings? They hated him. It created bitterness. Think of some of the ones that had a favorite wife. Never have a favorite wife, right? Uh, that's, that's a whole other talk. Um, but it created bitterness. Someone was loved and someone's unloved. But in our family of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ, it should be a place where the world treats people like that based on how they look and their dimensions and all sorts of things about their body. But in the family, in this house, we don't relate like that. We accept one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't play favorites with how we show the love of Christ. We show it equally to everyone. And if you've ever experienced that, it's awesome. It's encouraging. It's, it's loving. It's amazing. But the world doesn't do that. But our, how, our churches, our, our youth groups should be a place where we're not playing favorites. We're treating everyone with purity and protecting them and, and showing them the same love that we show to others, whether we are attracted to them or not. And so we've got to do that. The other thing is, you know, when you do this, it also keeps you in a place from, um, from getting into sexual sin. You know, I think of this. We need to honor marriage, and this will help us. But it says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. You know what that's saying there is basically, I'll translate that, but God wants sexual relationship to be only in marriage. It goes on to say, um, marriage kept pure. God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. When, when there's intimacy, physical, sexual intimacy, after you're married, God will judge it. And the other one, immorality or fornication, is when that happens before you're married. God says, I'll bless this within marriage, outside of marriage, whether it's... Uh, adultery or whether it's before marriage god judges that and he judges it in many different ways but we don't want you to come under god's judgment we want you to honor marriage okay and that's the idea and so um anyways god god changed my life in this i've seen god change others lives in this i love uh you know if you want to if you want to play favorites especially i love telling men this you want to play favorites 
that's fine. You know how to play a favorite. Uh, if, you, if you want to play a favorite, you know how to go about it. You pick your favorite, and you marry them. And they get to be your favorite for the rest of your life. Now, if you don't want to step up and be a man, take responsibility, step into commitment, don't play favorites. Love them as your sisters in Christ, you know. But if you want to play favorites, that's fine. Marry them, you know. Uh, I, I think um, I love how Bill Young says it, you know, how do you spell commitment? Do you know how to spell commitment? R-I-N-G, ring. You know, you want to marry them, put a ring on it. And, and then play favorites for the rest of your life. I'll guarantee you it's awesome. I'm with my favorite, and it is awesome. Um, but, you know, don't play favorites until God gives you permission to go down that road to step up to that commitment. And now, one question people often ask is, um, okay, I, I'm guarding my heart. I'm not playing favorites. I'm trying to live in purity. How in the world am I ever going to get married? You know, it's like all these brothers and sisters and um, I'll tell you a couple of things there. One, I've been a pastor again for 20 years. A lot of it has been, um, I spent a lot of time in ministry with young single people. And my wife and I, between me doing weddings, uh, being in weddings, her being in weddings, I think the count is over 50 weddings I've been a part of. And guess what? When you live like brothers and sisters in Christ, when you guard your hearts, when you're living for Christ and your relationship him, with him, marriages happen. They happen quite often, you know, and so that's, but, you know, you might go, well, how do I ever get to know if they're the right fit for me? And uh, I think of a story that I like to share sometimes. I got a buddy that um, he, you know, he was trying to live by these principles when he got saved in college, and he noticed this girl, and, uh, you know, he was treating her as a sister, and he did ministry together with her. They went on mission trips, things like that, but um, eventually they, they never dated. They never had any romantic involvement, but eventually after seeking counsel, he thought, I, I need to... I need to share my heart with her. I want to ask uh, if she would pursue a relationship. I see if she's thinking the same thing. But he was kind of a zealous guy. And so he wanted to skip like the, you know, let's date to figure this out. And so um, he ended up asking her to, uh, you know, it was on a 4th of July. And he had this whole scenario with a uh, kind of a picnic blanket set up on the rooftop. This house had this two stories and you could step out on the roof. And there was fireworks at, at City Park in Fort Collins. And so he invited this girl out to have a talk. And fireworks are going off, and eventually he takes a knee, pulls out a ring, and asks if she'll marry him. I've got a question for you. What do you think she said? No. You, you know, she, she said yes. She said yes. And you know why she said yes? One of two reasons. She was crazy, <laughs> or she was not crazy, and she knew enough about him to get married. And, and that's the answer. Some of you might know, uh, some of you might know, Uncle Tom Brown. Uh, you might know Tom Brown. You might know Mandy Whitney. Well, now Mandy Brown. They have a bunch of kids. But you know the reason she said yes? It's not because she was crazy. It's because she spent a number of time uh, guarding her heart and living as a brother. And so she went on mission trips, and they were serving the Lord together. She got to know his character before they ever had a date. And he got to know her character before they ever had a date. And so he, what he knew he liked, what she knew she liked, and, and they knew romance and intimacy is, you know, icing on the cake when you know a person and you know what they're like. And, and so she said yes, and they've lived happily ever after. And I'm not saying that everyone should do that, okay? Um, but what I am saying, when you live by some of these principles, you can find your soulmate before you ever have your first date. And they did that. And my wife and I dated, but we didn't even start that until until I knew, you know, I knew I was going to have to talk to her dad. And her dad's like, what's your intention? And I'm like, well, I kind of want to get to know her, and I want to get married. You know, I was kind of a zealous guy thinking, I want to put a ring on her finger right away. And her dad was like, why don't you date her for a little while? Make sure she really likes you. Um, and uh, before, no, but she, I knew she was the one that God had for me. We worked out just to kind of see. But, you know, if, if it's the one God has for you, Intimacy, romance, you get to do that for the rest of your life. They say practice makes perfect, and after 20 years, things are only getting better. You don't have to worry about that side of it. If you know their character, if you know their life, romance is easy, you know. Um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, anyways, um, so next point we want to talk about here is this would be called, that one's the family secret that, Living as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ can actually help you. The next one I would call the faith secret. How are we doing time-wise? Okay, I think we're doing good. Yeah. Um, 
This one I'd say, you know, obviously you can fill in the blanks here. Trust God for his best in his timing. Trust God for his best in his timing. Um, one of the verses I have up here is cease striving. You know, when it comes to finding your soulmate, finding Mr. or Mrs. Right, uh, this verse will come in handy. Cease striving and know that I am God. Other one says, uh, NIV says, be still and know that I'm God. God can handle this. God has wired everything into your heart, your soul, everything physically. And guess what? He's wired all the same things into the one he would have you marry if he has a plan for you to get married. And, and he's good at what he does. And I love this quote here from Jim Elliott. You know, God gives his best to those who leave the choice up to him. A lot of times as I coach guys over the years, I like to ask, you know, or I'd ask you as well. I've done this seminar a few times, but if you had to choose between your best, who you think it is, who you want it to be, and God's best, you know, if, if God would say, well, I'll give you who, who you think you want or I'll give you my best, what would you choose? And I hope you would choose God's best. Because, again, we have these fickle hearts and what, who someone thinks will be the best for me it could change next year, next week. Um, but when you get God's best, God can bless that in ways beyond you ever imagine, you know. And so, um, but if you don't think you want God's best, I'd encourage you to give that a little time, pray about it, get some counsel there, um, because it's, it's a really big deal. It's the, arguably the biggest decision you can make apart from trusting Christ is who you will marry. So um, a couple things I like to ask guys to, to kind of flush out, and this would apply to girls too, but you know, uh, how sure are you that this is the one who God has for you? You know, I, I knew I, I kind of was a, a hopeless romantic along the way, but I had this thought eventually that I was like, okay, God has wired everything into me, everything I would desire, everything that would resonate with me, everything I would ever want in a spouse. He's, he kind of wired that into me. I think he has the ability to put that into the person that you marry, and he's wired everything into them that you would be the best fit for, and you'd be so complimentary. And God has the ability to do that. But here's the deal. If you think about there's over 7 billion people on the planet. We'll do 6 billion just for good math, your easy math. But if you take 6 billion people on the planet, let's say half are men, half are women, so there's 3 billion of the opposite sex. Now, 3 billion, you know, out of 3 billion, let's say 1 billion are are too young for you, and let's say one billion are too old for you. That leaves about a billion options of who God could bring it together with on the planet, about a billion. So I often like to ask, how sure are you this is the one out of a billion? And it gives me a gauge of, you know, how serious this person is, how spiritual they are, some different things like that, how mature they are. But, you know, sometimes, I'll, how sure are you, you know, old Sally there that you're praying about is the one? And they'll say, well, I'm about 50% sure. And I'm like, 50% sure, buddy, okay, so let's, let's do the math on this a little bit here. So you're about 50% sure this is the one for you, which means there's about a 50% chance any relationship, any romance, anything you have here, 50% chance you're doing that with someone else's future wife. Not, that's not going to work. That's, that's not how God wants that to happen. Um, a lot of times I'll just encourage guys until they get more confident. And, you know, knowing for sure is not just, oh, I'm, I'm attracted to them. I'm, I'm just physically attracted. Well, great, there's a lot of attractive people out there. But what's their character like? What, do they serve? Do they love the Lord? Uh, do they want to take on his mission? You, know, you want to find out more than are you just attracted to them. That should be a component for sure, and I don't think that's a hard component, but some of these other ones are a little more important. And so sometimes people will be like, well, I'm about 90% sure. Uh, and, you know, the higher your percentage is kind of like going to heaven. You want the high percentages there, right? Same would be true about... If you're sure this is the one you should marry, um, obviously going to heaven is a little more important, but it's just a tool. Um, but anyway, so sometimes guys will say, I'm 95%, I'm 99% sure. And then the next question is, how sure are you this is the right timing for that? You know, and there'll be some guys, oh, I'm 100% sure this is the one, and I guess I need to, you know, I need to graduate high school and get a job and maybe get some, you know, um, probably not the right timing yet. Most, most dads that you would talk to to ask for their daughter's hand in marriage are going to make... They're going to want you to have a job, you know, and maybe be out of high school. Um, but, you know, that's not always required. There are some guys that are, you know, they, they want to get married. They know the one, and they know that in order to have the timing be right, they need to bust a move and get a job. And I think my co-pastor, Drew Mahali, he knew who he wanted to marry, and I think they got married at, what were they, 1920, something like that. And, and he, he got done to where he could take care of his wife financially, spiritually, emotionally 
You don't have to be old to get married, but you want to have some of these things in place. You want to be walking in God's timing. I remember a story once of uh, two people in, in, back at Colorado State that um, they, they kind of liked each other. She might have been a freshman. He might have been a sophomore or a freshman. I can't remember exactly their ages here, but one night they were hanging out in their dorms, and they happened to be the only two left up at night, and uh, they just happened to share their hearts with one another. They spilled the beans, and, oh, you know, I kind of like you. Oh, yeah, well, I kind of like you. And uh, next thing you know, there's like, it's out there. And, and so he went and talked to a buddy that was discipling him. She went to talk to a girl in her life, and, and they realized, you're a freshman. Your parents kind of want you to get along with your schooling here. You're a sophomore. You probably want to be in a place where you have a job to pursue this. Don't want to just be messing around for years in a, a flippant, no-commitment relationship. So they just decided God wanted them to, to back out of that. They'd shared their hearts. They needed to take a step back. They spent the next couple years doing, you know, living for God. Um, he, he went on in the dorms to reach guys for Christ. He, he led guys to Christ, discipled them. She was a part of leading women to Christ. And eventually, a couple years later, you know, I think he graduated and, and he'd been continuing to have her on his heart, and he revisited the whole thing, and sure enough, she still had him on her heart, and, and I did their wedding, and they have, I don't know how many, three or four kids now. Some of you might know them in Fort Collins, uh, Chad Schneider, Chad and Aaron, and, and so, um, but they wanted to walk, they wanted to trust God for his best in his timing, and God has really blessed them in that, and so, um, uh, anyways, that's the that's, uh, thing here. Trust God for his best and his timing. Um, let's see the next step we got here. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is this last secret is maybe you might call it the, the mission secret. Um, get on with your God-given mission. I'll give you a hint. Marriage is not the mission. If marriage is your mission, we'll have you raise your hand real quick and, and look at that person and start running the other direction because that's uh, that doesn't make for a good spouse. If you're the biggest thing in that person's world, um, they're going to, you know, eventually you need something bigger than yourself. You need God. You need Christ. You need his mission. And if you're a man on a mission, guess what, man? If you're a man on a mission, a wife often wants a man who has a mission, a mission that's greater than himself, a mission that's even greater than her. You know, if you think getting married's the mission and then eventually you find out, like, I... I completed the mission. Now what? Uh, you don't want to be there. That's not a good place to be, but you want to be a man on the mission. Singleness is not the mission. Sometimes people used to give me a heart, oh, you just want to have people be, I don't, I don't want you to stay single. I don't want you to get married. I want you to follow the Lord. I want you to carry out this mission as best you can. Again, I think of you when you're, when you're single, you're teenagers. Some of you are headed towards college here soon. You know, there's a life that you can live when you're single of wholehearted devotion to the Lord that you'll never get again. When you get in college and you have time, you, you get to decide, you know, you don't live by your parents' schedule or whatever. You get to make your own de decisions. You're going to have a lot of time to invest in the mission of reaching people for Jesus Christ. You're going to have a chance to disciple and be discipled, and you can see great things happen. To, once you get married, you kind of cash in your, your singleness chips, and you never get them back again. And you start taking on responsibilities. You start getting jobs. You start, you have a spouse to be thinking about. You know, Paul said, I, I, your interest gets divided when you get married. And he doesn't say that's wrong, but it's true. You love the Lord, and now you have a spouse. Eventually, you have kids, and you're going to have no more ability to be focused um, on the Lord than you do right now. And I encourage you to make the most of that and be men and women on a mission, not thinking marriage is the mission here. Um, I, I, know, uh, I know for me, it was like, I just wanted to. I wanted to disciple guys. I wanted to share this good news that all my sins could be forgiven. All my guilt and shame could be taken away. I could have eternal life. That was so cool to me. I was like, why didn't anyone ever share this with me? And I wanted to share it with all these people in, in college there because I was like, ah, I missed out on this. I want to take this to them. And if they made dumb mistakes, I could relate to them in that but, and share the good news with them. And if they hadn't made dumb mistakes like I had, I could encourage them again with following Christ. And eventually my prayer was, Lord, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to live as brothers and sisters in Christ here. I'm going to trust you for your best and timing. I'm going to live on this mission until you knock me upside the head with the one I should marry. And he did that. And my wife had been on mission as well, um, discipling women and, and trying to help lead women to Christ. And eventually 
It's like, God, uh, I felt like uh, in prayer that it was time to take responsibility to step into that. And uh, I'm so blessed that I got to live a different life. I got to go down a different road with different fruit as a single person than many people ever experienced. Got to lay a foundation that's stood the test of time by God's grace so far. But I want you to be like that too. I think about um, a friend of mine that was... Um, he was a part of a church for a while. He was a guy that took on these same principles, and, and he um, just lived to, to disciple guys. And he went to a college, and there he was trying to reach people for Christ. And eventually I got to be a part. He, he was a part of another church in, in our association in another city. And, and yet I happened to be in town when he had his bachelor party, and I got to go to it. And it was just awesome to hear at his bachelor party, guy after guy, not, not only that he had impacted, but many of them he had personally led to Christ and seen their lives change. And he was a guy that went down the road less traveled. And he bore fruit for Christ that was beyond what many people ever do because they don't live by some of these. They're not focused like that. My heart for you, again, is to have a strong foundation that stands the test of time and to bear fruit in a way, especially when you're single, that you'll never be able to do in that same way again. And so... Um, and that's why I share with you the, the road less traveled here. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we might have a few time, a little time for some questions here, as long as they're not too challenging. Um, if they're hard, I'll invite my wife up to answer them, or she might help anyway. So, but anyways, let's pray. Close this down here. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. Um, thank you again for your word. Thank you that your truths are timeless. Sometimes they, they might not be popular, but they stand the test of time. They're your thoughts. They're better than the thoughts of our culture. They're better than the thoughts of social media and the, the thoughts of books and magazines that would tell us different. Lord, you have the ability to bless beyond what anything else in this world can do. God, you have the ability to keep marriages together, make them fruitful. You have the ability to lead people to the soulmate that you have planned for them. And, and God, I ask that you'd help all these young men and women here to, to live by your truth, to walk in your way for relationships, Lord, that they would guard their hearts, especially guard them for you, but guard them also for their future spouse. God, I pray you'd help them to live as brothers and sisters in Christ with absolute purity, protecting one another. God, that they would um, not play favorites, that they would honor marriage, your design for marriage. God, I pray you'd help them to trust you for your best, in your timing, help them to live on their God-given mission, the mission you gave them, the Great Commission, taking the good news to everyone everywhere. And I pray, pray this for everyone in this room. I pray that uh, people would take ownership and obey your word on this, and you would give them radically different results than the rest of the world. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.